We are in Mark chapter 3 today. Uh, we're dealing with the emotion of anger, which no one here struggles with. And so uh, here's what it says in Mark chapter 3. Again, he entered the synagogue, that being Jesus. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And they looked around uh, at them, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians, a bunch of Gentiles, uh, against him on how to destroy him. God, I, Lord, I do pray that you would sustain uh, my voice for the next few moments. Um, Father, uh, I, I mean, joking aside, Lord, I do pray that our faith would be more contagious than the common cult. Um, Father, I Pray for this experience, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we talk about an emotion that you dealt with and that you challenge us with, Father, um, Father, we're going to mention anger, and Father, that might make people angry. <laughs> um, and so, Lord, um, I pray that uh, you would work in the lives and the hearts and the minds and the perspectives of the people here in this room and those that might even be watching um, Father, there might be some that are watching online because they're very angry with you or angry with Christians. Um, and so, Father, I pray that you would help us to reflect and to consider and to leave here different than how we came in. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. A few weeks ago now, two or three weeks ago, I went to Nashville for a Converge thing, and uh, I flew there with uh, Graham. Uh, we were uh, praying with our uh, missionary, uh, Jonathan Matthews, and meeting with a few people for like vision and stuff. And uh, we had a really good time. Uh, him and I, we had to share a, a hotel room. And you have to be really good friends to share a hotel room with another dude. It was weird. Uh, and so uh, so there we are. And now we're traveling back. Uh, we had, you know, looked through, gone through Nashville. Nashville is a great city. And, uh, and so now we're flying back. And we're about to take off. And Graham uh, had the tenacity to, to look at me and goes, you know what really makes me angry and like really frustrates me? Uh, he's like, the type of person that orders coffee when they're flying uh, uh, and that's you. And I was like, oh, well, huh. Like, how would you want me to respond to this right now? I was like, well, I'm in airplane mode. I can't send you uh, the special emoji that I want to send you right now. And he was kind of joking around, but I do order coffee when, I'm, when I am flying. Uh, and so I, I couldn't send him my, my special emoji. I, I did the pastor thing and I turned the other cheek. And, um, and so, uh, but uh, he was obviously joking and I'm obviously joking. But in those moments when you're flying, in those moments when you're going to work, in those moments when you're driving, in those moments when your kid doesn't have the, the, just the right response to what you've asked of them, uh, don't you deal with anger like I deal with anger. Don't you deal with frustrations like I deal with frustrations. One of the things that gets me is that sometimes my level of frustration is inordinate to the situation at hand. We all deal with this. And I think this is an emotion that we have to talk about at the Christmas season because you're going to have dinner around a Christmas table. 
And you're going you're gonna to be interacting with people that you only see once or twice a year and they make you angry. You might go to that staff Christmas party and you might see that person from another department and you only have to see them once a year at the staff Christmas party and it's going to spur a level of anger. And so what do we do with anger? As, as Christians, you're as Christians in this room, we can be happy-go-lucky, but what if we're supposed to be angry as Christ was angry about certain things? <laughs> or are there things that you and I would come in here and say, we have righteous anger? Okay. The question for us today is, does the righteous one agree? So here's the situation. I, I want to read those first two verses again in Mark chapter 3. It says, and he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. That is, uh, the, the original language would say, that's a useless hand. It was a noticeable hand that this man had that was utterly useless to anything he could do. Uh, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And so Jesus is entering into the, the, the synagogue, and it's on the Sabbath. Uh, the law of the day, the traditions of the day by the religious leaders would say, hey, you can, you can show people kindness, but it's, it's just so that they don't get more injured. If, if someone is really, really injured and it's life-threatening, then, then sure, you might be able to do something. But if it's not life-threatening, they would reason, do good on the other six days, but not on the Sabbath. This is a day for joy, not sickness. <laughs> And if you were to heal on the Sabbath for anything that wasn't life-threatening, it was punishable by death. So here's this man, withered hand. He walks into the synagogue. Why? Because he needs God's help. And so he walks in to get God's help among God's people and, and where, where, they, where God would reside. And so, of course, he goes to the temple for help. And, and in the Jewish customs, in the Jewish uh, way of prayer, uh, they would pray demonstratively. They would, they would have movements. So here's a man that goes to the synagogue for help, and he has a withered hand that's noticeable by everybody. And so he's probably embarrassed to even be there because when everybody's praying and he's raising his hand, everybody sees that this man has a deformed hand. It's embarrassing, but he's there for help. Jesus takes notice because he has compassion. Jesus takes notice of a man in need of divine mercy, and he's the divine healer. The others, they're just looking to accuse him. The others, this man is just a pawn to find a reason to come at Jesus. Jesus can do no good in their minds. Even his good is tainted in, in what they're thinking. This earlier this week, uh, my, my wife was joking about life and whatnot, and said, this is, this is going to be one of the first elections next year uh, that I'm, I'm voting with a vested interest. And I was like, man, like that's tough because either way, in 2024, uh, either cities are going to burn down or people are going to storm the Capitol, and we all lose. Uh, no matter what happens in 2024, we're all going to lose. We can't wait for the commercials and all the people to tell us how they're going to fix the problem and whatnot. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to found a new political party. We're going to found it today. Uh, I'm going to lead the political party, and it's the TAC political party, okay? I know pastors are not supposed to talk politics. It's illegal. Uh, but my new political party uh, is TAC, uh, which stands for the they're all corrupt. Uh, and so uh, I have gotten to the point in my 40 years of life where I just loathe it all. And I'm like, they're all corrupt. They're, it's all garbage. No one actually has the answer. Let's serve King Jesus because he ultimately has the answer for the problem of sin. Uh, and so it all frustrates me. But you and I, we do walk in here with a political leaning, whether we like it or not. And we all walk in here with, you know what? Anybody on the other side, we're kind of suspect of them. 
Like you, you know those types of people that like they worship, uh, they worship politics and anybody on the other side of the aisle, they're skeptical. Even if the other side of the aisle does something good, they're skeptical of their good. We all have that, whether it's a people group or a political group of ethnicity or somebody, that relative that comes to the Christmas table. And you're like, it doesn't matter what this person says. Everything is suspect. For everybody that you're a suspect of, odds are there's somebody that's suspect of you. It's just kind of human nature, right? And so we would look at these religious leaders and how they're treating Jesus. And here's a, here's a reasonable question. Oh, sure, question Jesus. But what does your skepticism say of you? What does it say of you that you're skeptical of Jesus or whether he would heal on the Sabbath? What does that actually communicate about you? And so that's where Jesus goes, these next two verses that Jesus mentioned. He says, and, and when he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, he looks at them and asks them a, a line of questioning. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? Two extremes. To, uh, to save a life or to kill, another extreme. But they were silent. Jesus had some options. He doesn't have to deal with it right away. He could have said, you know what, let's wait till sundown. Let's wait until the next day. After all, it's a withered hand. You've had this for decades. Let's, let's wait. Or he could have, uh, he could have you know, said like, hey, why don't you meet me behind the temple? Let's do this, let's do this in secret and not, not you know, ruffle any feathers. But Jesus, as a teacher, said, you know what? Their theology is all sorts of messed up, and so I'm going to deal with this head on. And he asks them this question to, to, to bring out their theology, to bring out their hypocrisy. He asks them this question that, that traps them uh, and is in front of everybody. Jesus is not hiding. He asks them this question to reveal his heart to love on people and their heart that is not aligned with God Almighty. He traps them with a very, very intelligent line of questioning. It reveals their motives. It reveals their heart to accuse him and to come at him. I've unfortunately had those moments in my life where my theology or my way of life was whack, where my way of life was off, and, my, and what I was doing was not representing Jesus well. And right now, I can say this, and it's maybe a, 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 there may be a hair of like comedy with it, but, but in the moment, it, it really punched me in the gut when I was at Karen University, which is a Christian university, and I grew up in a Christian home, so I, at the moment, I knew how to talk Christian. Uh, and so, but there I was, I was bitter with God, over a few things. And so uh, instead of like embracing the, the environment that I was in, I started going to the bars and running from God and, and taking that moment to be like, forget all of this. I'm going to play the Christian game, but I'm going to also play my own game. And so on the weekends, I would go to the bars. And, and there I was on one weekend at, at, a, at a local restaurant uh, having my own drinks. And, and somebody uh, from the university happened to be there and happened to see me. They weren't drinking. They were doing good things. And, and I was there having a good old time. And then, and then later on that week, would, would you know? <laughs> We happened to be in the same group project. <laughs> and there we were at the local cafe talking about this group project. And here I was, the, the, the nice Christian boy that's trying to play both sides of the fence. And there's a cute girl in, in the group that I, I'm trying to talk all Christian with because she's a very uh, devout Christian. Uh, and so I was trying to talk Christian. And, and there we are in the group. I started saying, uh, well, you know what? Uh, what is it about the rules with uh, how many times you're allowed to miss church? Like, and I started asking these questions to try to look like I really cared about the rules of the university and following the rules. <laughs> 
And there was a young lady there that was at the restaurant the weekend before with me <laughs> and looks at me in front of everybody in the group and says, you, you care about the rules? <laughs> and I was like, I've got nothing. Uh, I was put on blast uh, and she completely laid me out with that one very intelligent question to say to me, listen, stop fronting, you're a hypocrite, give it up. <laughs> and she was right. And I had to be silent there and just take it. <laughs> Here are these religious leaders that are fronting this big care for God. That God, like, is it okay to do harm? Is it okay to do good? And, and Jesus there asked this question to make this focal point. You know what? What Jesus was communicating was, if you fail to do good uh, on the Sabbath, you're doing evil. And so he asks this question that, that would bring out this, their skepticism, that would bring out the error of their thinking. And it lead, led me to think you and I might sometimes walk in here with our own hypocrisies, fronting behind these religious activities where Jesus sees through our religious walls and might just ask us a question that leaves us silent in our skepticism. One day you and I will have to face Jesus face to face and he's going to have a lot of questions. Better to be open and honest right now and deal with things and to move forward with a complete honesty before our God because he knows our heart. He knows deep down inside and he has a way of asking questions that will leave us silent. Here's where this goes on and it brings out the emotion of the day, uh, anger. He says, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to them, stretch, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. <laughs> Jesus, this is, this is a tension that, tension that has been brewing <laughs> They, they've been coming at each other for a while now. And so here he is on the Sabbath. Is Jesus going to heal? They could kill him if he does. What's he going to do? And Jesus chooses to heal. And, but in the choosing to heal, he's angry. He's mad. He's frustrated. There's two emotions. See, did you see how both sides, given how the, how the Pharisees act, both of them have anger over the situation. <laughs> Only one of them is righteous. Jesus is angry because, uh, because they, they have uh, defamed the name of God. They don't care about this person. This person is a pawn. Jesus is angry at their hardness of heart. Hardness of heart is to be like thick-headed, to, to, to refuse de developing our thinking, to not give over to reasoning, to, to look at the situation and say, I can't see past my hatred. All I can see is, all I can see is the hatred. Uh, because I can't see past it, you know what my hard heart says? I won't congratulate this man. I won't celebrate that a man with a withered hand will was just miraculously healed in our sight. I can't see past that. You know how it's blinded them? Check out this scene. They're getting mad over work being done on the Sabbath. And the other times, Jesus will heal by touching a leper. Jesus will heal by, by spitting in the, in, the, in the dirt and making mud. Jesus, Jesus sometimes would heal by doing something physically. What did Jesus physically do in this scene that could be construed as work? Nothing. He spoke. He said, come here, stretch out your hand. All he did was use words and the man was healed. So these Pharisees with their hardness of heart, blown away by anger, can't see the fact that Jesus has done literally no work. All he has done is speak. And they are angry at the fact that he's ruining their status quo. He's ruining uh, their authority. He's coming at them and revealing their misguided heart behind the traditions. And so what do they do? What do people that are blinded by anger do? 
They go out and team up with the, the likes of the Herodians. We don't know much about, but they are Gentile people that are advocating for the dynasty of Herod. Jews and, and Gentiles don't like to mix, especially in that day and age. But hatred blinds us. If we share the same enemy, forget everything else. Let's get on the same team to come at my enemy. And so they join with Jesus to, they join with the, the Herodians to immediately get rid of Jesus immediately to destroy him, not to slow him down, but to destroy him. Religious leaders do things like that. I had a moment uh, when we were giving away the first day where we uh, were starting this church. The Sunday before we gave out free gas in the community, I think we gave out like $7,500 in free gas and create a traffic jam uh, down Route 37, and the police had to come. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, and so uh, it was, uh, I think we paid like $2 for social media advertising. Uh, then it went viral, and we didn't have to pay anything. Uh, and thousands and thousands of people saw it. It was awesome. Uh, and so we decided to do it the Sunday before we launched, uh, uh, starting around 9 o'clock, figuring that that would be church time. We wanted to love on people uh, that don't typically go to church. And so the best time to do that was during church, uh, what is conveniently seen as church hours. And so we, we set up the free gas and whatnot. I showed up at like 5 a.m. Uh, to this gas station on Route 37, and there were already people in line for free gas. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so I called my buddy who works for the police department. And I said, hey, you might want to get over here because I think I caused an issue. Uh, and so he came over. And, and two situations that kind of strike me as like, maybe this is how super religious people work. <laughs> we, had, uh, we had one individual uh, that uh, was... Uh, the cop said, hey, you have to get out of line and get back in line. You're going to get free gas. Don't worry about it. Uh, but you're going to have to re reorganize your cars. And this, this one individual was like telling people to back up, back up, and got frustrated to the point where she was yelling F-bombs at people. And I'm like, oh, good. Wellspring Church, y'all, like, here we are. Uh, and she's yelling at me, get, get the bleepity bleep back there, blah, 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 blah. And it was delayed, it was delayed, it was delayed. And finally, she walked up, after hearing all of her scenes, she walks up to me and she's like, hey, when are we going to get this free gas? thing started I gotta get to church and by this point I am so frustrated and like high strung I looked at her and I was just like what church do you go to uh, and then she walked away it probably wasn't a very pastor thing to say but then another person we had b98 5 that agreed to promote our church in the gas state that's a in my book that's a good thing and so we had b98 5 we asked them hey could you play some music that maybe wouldn't like lay us out as a church and they're like okay groovy uh, so they played decent music uh, and so there we are with b98 5 in the in the parking lot playing music for people as they're waiting for gas and whatnot and super religious people came up to me as I'm sitting there next to B98.5 and right in front of B98.5 they said you have B98.5 playing music right now aren't you a pastor how could you do that again I was so frustrated and so like high strung in that moment I was like are you in line for free gas what time is it get in the car like get out of here and uh, and so then they, they left and, and whatnot my point being that sometimes our frustrations and our anger can blind us to not see things the way they are. One of our values here is something that we call pray for one. It's a question to ask is, who am I helping to know Jesus? That every day we would pray for people to, to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Are we doing that? Do we care to do that? Do we, do we care about the people that are far from God and, and reaching them in, in ways that, yes, aren't, are not sinful, but we would do whatever it takes to to reach them short of sin. 
if I take a note from Jesus's book, we're going to get in a lot of battles with religious people as we love this community and that community. One of, my, one of the things I want to say as we, as we think about this pray for one thing is as you're praying for your lost friends, are you praying for people that you have a hard time tolerating? Or do you only pray for those loved ones that are far from God or those coworkers that are far from God, but if they came to know Jesus, you would be cool with them being at church. But you and I each have, even as Christians, people that are like, if Jesus got a hold of that person and they started coming to church, I might not be comfortable with them at church. Do we pray for all people that are far from God and with a willingness to be used by God in their lives to reach them, even the ones that make us a little angry? Here's what I think what, what Jesus is trying to communicate through these pages of Mark chapter 3 is simply this, is that godly anger is a shared anger. And that's a question for you and I. That's a statement that, 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 that causes us to, to think. You and I, we all deal with anger. You and I all have situations that, that cause us frustrations. You and I all have these moments where we're like, you know, was my frustration uh, at a good level for the situation at hand? It's something that we all deal with. And the question for us is what makes us angry? Does it make God angry? If it doesn't make God angry, why is it making us angry? Or if we're happy-go-lucky about a situation, but God is angry, why aren't we getting to the place where we're angry about what actually grieves the, the heart of God? We were talking about this at the staff level, and we all looked around at the staff, staff table, and we all looked around the table and said, yeah, I deal with anger. Yeah, I deal with anger. Yeah, I deal with anger. One of us even got, got a video in the moment that made them angry. Uh, and so we all deal with anger, but I know you, you don't. So let me, let me illustrate it kind of like, like this. Landon, come up here for a second. Put this on, okay? Look out and then look out. Okay, this is a Frank Gore jersey, by the way. He's one of the greatest. Um, it's a little big on you, okay? Question. Some of you guys are Eagles fans. <laughs> and the, the Eagles just got spanked by these guys. I know, the Patriots stink, but... My question, if this makes you angry or triggered more than the Christian who knows of a need at their job but chooses to do nothing about it, is your anger maybe misguided? Ava, come up, come up here for, for a second. I got one for you. All right, this one's, a, this one's a doozy. Oh, I can't wait for my dad to see. Bought this off of Amazon. You're gonna be warm. Okay. What does it say? Well, it doesn't say, it doesn't say a curse word. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did I mess up your hair? Where's Caleb? Caleb, get up here for a second. Caleb, can you throw this one on? I'm trying to make everybody mad. Um, so Ava's wearing a T-shirt. Talks about Democrats. My question if this makes you angry more than a Christian that talks about politics more than they do their faith, then your anger might be misguided. If this makes you angrier, seriously, if this makes you angrier than a Christian that hasn't shared their faith in the last year, your anger might be misguided. If I'm to rock this jersey 
as somebody that grew up in New England and has taken his boys to a World Series game, but you're a Yankees fan celebrating that you saw sign Soto. <laughs> but if this makes you angrier than a Christian who's deliberately sinning, knowing the name and what Jesus calls them to, then your anger might be misguided. I purposely got all these t-shirts to try to trigger every single person in this room. (laughs) To cause us to reflect upon what makes us angry. And does it align with the one who is ultimately righteous? Because if I'm honest with everybody in this room, I don't think there's a t-shirt on the stage that actually makes my Jesus angry. Would you guys have a, a seat for me? You can take it off or give it to me afterwards and make sure you don't mess up your hair on your way out. Uh, here's my challenge uh, for us. Thanks, thanks, thanks. There was a, a 49ers fan among us that was all too happy to give me his jersey to, to do this illustration. Uh, uh, here's, my, here's my call for you. Here's my ask. Here's my uh, pastoral plea with you. What do we do with anger? I'm going to ask two things and challenge one thing. First is that you might let something go. Maybe you're the type of person that, yeah, there's a lot of things that make you frustrated. You have a lot of things that make you angry. You're not saying, Jason, you triggered one thing. Jason, you triggered a bunch of things today for me. Okay, fine. This week, pick something and just let it go. Pick something that you know this does not align with God's anger, and I'm just going to simply let it go. You have permission in the name of Jesus to not let it be a big deal. But then for everybody else, here's my challenge for you and for I, is that we would act in prayer and fasting over what makes us angry. Why? Because I think there is something to a holy pause. James says this in James 1 verses 19 through 20. He says, and many of us know these verses, 19 through 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That doesn't say don't be angry. It just says slow, be slow to get there because there are things that made Jesus angry. But for the anger, uh, the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so whatever is making you angry, I'm gonna ask this week that you would consider pausing And first, before you act in your anger, blinded by anger, that you would give it over to prayer. And so this coming Wednesday, we are going to be here at the church praying together as a community. I'm going to ask, and I know I have to say medically, blah, 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 but that you would actually consider a 24-hour food fast. And then join me Wednesday night to pray over your anger and pray over what makes me anger and say, God, does this align with you? What do you want me to do about it? Odds are it might be nothing. (laughs) And so I challenge you to simply pause and then join us on Wednesday night to talk and to pray about anger.